Hello, guys, and welcome to my podcast. Oh, my God. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to test this out. I'm going to see how it goes. And um, I would love to hear your guys's suggestions on things that I should cover on topics that I should talk about. And once I figure this all out, I would love to have some people uh, be guests on my podcast. But as of right now, it's just me. So I was thinking that today we could talk about unionizing. Um, So I have this book in front of me. It's called Reaching Higher, a handbook for union organizing committee members by Richard Bensinger. Bensinger. Um, I actually heard about it from one of my mutuals on TikTok, uh, which her at is um, at all all things labor, I believe it is, and she is known for unionizing in the workplace, and she's so so uh, educational when it comes to it. So I saw that she had commented about this book, and I went ahead and bought it right away because I was like, I really want to know how to unionize in the workplace, and I really really want to help people unionize in the workplace. So the first thing you need to know when you're unionizing is that it is your union. It is your union. Without a committee or leadership group by some other name, there is no organizing campaign. Simple as that. Okay? It is your union, so you have to organize it. So the author of the book said, It was news to me that the union is actually the employees joining together to create their own organization. The reason the committee is so important, it's because it is your union. No one can build it for you. No one can run it for you. No one can define it for you. It is your union and it's what you make it. As the committee grows and develops and gains confidence, your union is born. The second thing that you need to know is the bigger, the better. So as a rule of thumb, the committee should consist of a minimum of 10 to 15% of the workforce. So in a unit of 30, there should be at least three to five people in the committee. And in a unit of a thousand, the committee should have at least a hundred members. So the author of the book talks about how he learned this lesson the hard way when he was organizing in his workplace. He got five of his friends together and decided that would be the committee. But five out of 550, that's barely 1%. When they tried to get the union card signed, they couldn't even get 20% of the workforce to sign. They end, they had to end the campaign. Uh, the organizer left and told them to call back when they could get a large enough committee together. A few months later, a woman working near them had her hand literally torn off by a plastic extruding machine that they had already complained about. So outraged, they called a meeting at a nearby farmhouse and 100 people showed up. Out of that group, 60 of them joined the committee. So they found volunteers in each department and work area who each agreed to talk to five to 10 others. Within a week, 65% of the plant had signed cards and their campaign was off and running. So the size of the organizing committee has a lot to do with how fast a campaign moves forward. A large committee can greatly reduce the length of time of an organizing campaign, particularly in the period leading up to either a demand to the employer for voluntary union recognition or a petition or application to the government agency for an election. Okay, so the third thing that you need to know about forming a union is create a culture of inclusiveness. 
A union is not an exclusive club. Your organizing committee should exemplify a culture of inclusiveness that welcomes all people, regardless of their job or social grouping. Everyone should feel needed and valued, and everyone should have a voice. The committee should be fully representative of the workforce, including work areas, department, job titles, ethnicity, age, gender, and length of service. When the committee is representative of everyone, the employees will see more clearly that the union is truly their own organization. All right, so the fourth thing you need to know about forming a union is never give up on trying to increase the size of the committee. A committee should keep growing throughout the campaign. This is especially important if there are work areas or type of employees who are not represented on the committee. So remember, a larger committee moves your campaign faster. Make sure your committee is representative of all groups. Keep inviting new people to join the committee and don't delay in recruiting leaders from small departments or groups. All right, number five, remember the three P's. As a committee member, your words and actions should be principled, professional, and positive. Your tone and demeanor as it are as critical as your message. Now, um, this is a little hard for me. We know how I can be when I uh, present things. My words are a little harsh. I am not always so principal, professional, and positive. But when you are trying to organize a union, it is something that you should definitely, definitely keep in mind. People will view the union based on how you conduct yourself, which is something that is very hard for me to keep under control. Um, You can be passionate and forceful in your support for the union, but don't become strident or combative. (laughs) I still need to learn how to not do that. Uh, Your tone should be of humility, honesty, generosity, and truthfulness. Your efforts on behalf of the union should bring out the best in you and in your fellow committee members. So... Of course, don't make mean or personal attacks on members of management because that only generates sympathy for the person being attacked. Or so they say. I mean, I attack managers or whoever all the time and I feel like we, you know, the workers, we all side with each other. But that's what they're saying here. So, you know. Okay, so remember that the union is about respect for people. The union is what you're for, not what you're against. And that's what matters. All right. Number six, support the mission of your employer. As committee members, you are pro-union, but you're also most likely hardworking, loyal employees dedicated to your employer's mission. Although your initial, your initial motivation for forming the union likely grew out of deep frustrations, it is important to remember that if you didn't care about the organization, you would not be working so hard to make it better. So don't let the employer try to marginalize you by claiming that you're against your company or your administration. Don't attack the product you produce or the service you provide. Emphasize the fact that you can be pro-union and pro-employer. Again, that is a little hard for me to do because I do attack the system that we work in. I do attack, you know, the service industry. I do attack all that because... There are changes that need to be made, but I do also love working as a server and I do love the service industry, but it's about time that there are changes that need to be made because, I mean, 
tipping came from slavery in the 1930s and it still hasn't changed. There is a lot that needs to change with the industry. Okay, so number seven, what it means to sign a card. So one of your major jobs as an organizing committee member is to ask coworkers to sign union cards or in some cases to sign a union petition. Um, although we need to get as many cards signed as quickly as possible, it is very important to explain accurately what it means to sign a card or petition. So you should stress that signing the card means that you support the union. Signing a card means that you would vote yes in a union representation election. If a person is not for the union, he or she should not sign a card just to have an election. In fact, some employers voluntarily recognize the union if a card check proves majority support. That's why it's essential that signed cards be a gauge of support. Some people will sign readily and eagerly. For others, your conversation should begin by asking what the individual's concerns are at work. So you, the committee member, you can have your own set of issues. You could be unhappy with the pay or certain benefits. However, your issues are not necessarily the issues of other coworkers. So do not presume their concerns are the same as yours. So, for example... You might say to a coworker, the reason we're forming a union is we're trying to make improvements here. What changes would you like to see in the workplace? So the key is to listen to the individual and to explain how having a union would make a difference in addressing his or her concerns. But don't be afraid to ask people to sign the card. If you don't ask, you'll never know. Although you should be assertive, you shouldn't be pushy. It's okay if they say no. Don't become defensive and don't make them feel uncomfortable. Stay on friendly terms and be respectful. You know, it's like what they say. You catch more bees with honey than you do with vinegar, right? If people have some objection to the union, just give them space, respect their decision, and leave the discussion in a way that you can go back and talk to them again. You might ask if they would be willing to meet with a union organizer so they can hear both sides before they make up their minds. All right, so number 10, listen respectfully to undecides. So most of your time will probably be spent with people in the middle, you know, workers who are undecided about the union, especially because, you know, nowadays you hear, oh, unions are bad, like you shouldn't unionize from the companies, which they should not be doing that. And then you have, you know, your coworkers who are like, let's unionize. And then the people are scared, they shouldn't unionize. And so they're stuck in the middle because they don't know what to do. So if people are definitely against the union, don't worry about it. You know, just respect their opinion and move on. You don't need to win 100% of the support. But similarly, you don't want to spend a lot of the time talking with diehard union supporters. It's the undecided people who make the difference as to whether you win or not. So often people are upset about conditions at work, but are not sure that a union would help. Some people may have mistaken the belief that joining a union is some kind of betrayal of managers whom they like, like who really cares about the manager, right? Anyway, um, some may be unsure because some of the information they've heard. You have only one task in dealing with undecided employees. Invite them to talk to you about their concerns. So this is more important than getting them to sign a card. Don't argue, don't be defensive or confrontational. Just keep the dialogue open. So you want to listen to them, be respectful. You know, when someone asks you a tough question, don't get annoyed or impatient. All questions are good questions and they should be answered. So the key is to listen and find common ground. Tolerating and respecting different views is the right way to treat others and not just during organizing drive. So here's some do's and don'ts. Do keep a sense of humor. 
respect people's questions, have fun, explain how a union would help, find common ground, be honest, don't argue or become defensive, spend all your time with people who are all ready for the union because you don't need their support, you already got it, make promises, uh, don't make promises, you know, and don't assume that your issues are the same as someone else's. Okay, so number nine, be friendly to those who disagree. Nowhere is it more important to be respectful and polite to people who disagree with you than when you're campaigning for a union. I mean, these are the people that you're going to keep working with, so why would you want to make things unpleasant, right? Um, If you remain friendly and avoid polarizing the situation, people will feel free to change their minds later. And if the union wins, you'll want to encourage the involvement of anti-union employees to have a stronger, more unified workforce to achieve the goals of the employees. When a union campaign becomes too divisive, some people who are undecided turn against the union because of the tension and divisiveness. So rising tension is sometimes a goal of the employer, of course, because they always want to pin us against each other. So therefore, your job as a committee member is to reduce tensions and maintain a civil and respectful atmosphere. And always remember that if you stay on good terms, people who are against the union may change their mind as the campaign gains momentum. Work conditions at work continue to deteriorate or an influential coworker becomes a card signer. So if their friends join, they may want to join too. This is not to say that you shouldn't express your own opinions vigorously. Of course, being passionate in your beliefs is one thing. Being strident and argumentative is another. All right, guys, we are halfway through the list. Number 10, don't take card signers for granted. So sometimes as committee members, you can make the mistake of assuming that you'll retain the support of card signers without doing more work. However, so much happens during an uh, union organizing effort that people who sign a card early in the campaign may change their mind later on. I mean, after all, many employers go to great lengths to plant doubts and fears in the mind of employees and to remind people that card signers can still vote no. Of course, they're always meddling, always wanting to have the power over us and we can't have any power. So it is extremely important for committee members to stay in touch with union supporters. Okay, number 11, work your network. So whenever you work, you're a part of a natural network of people with whom you work, eat, lunch, carpool, uh, spend considerable time with. Often, we're not aware of this natural network, but as a committee member, you need to consciously use these connections to talk about the union campaign. Ask people what they've heard, ask questions they have, what rumors are circulating, keep them informed on the progress of the campaign. So If they have any suggestions uh, for the union committee, you know, see if they have any suggestions for the union committee. And remember, if they are leaders with good ideas, invite them to join the committee. The organizer has much less access to your coworkers than you do. Because you work inside the organization, you as a committee member are the only one who can maintain regular communication with the coworkers. It's the relationship and trust that you build with your coworkers that will sustain your campaign and lay the groundwork for a strong organization. And I think that is why so many people, um, you know, resonate with my TikToks. It's because I am standing up for them because they feel they feel like I care, you know, like I'm one of them. I don't think I'm better than them. I don't think I'm above them. And I like to listen to them and I want to be their voice for so many people that just don't feel comfortable doing it. 
Okay, number 12, every single employee counts. You'd be amazed how many union elections are won or lost by one or two votes. The lesson that, you know, this author has learned is that every single person really does count. Make sure that you're aware of everybody who could be in your bargaining unit. A good way to avoid forgetting anyone is to draw a map of the workplace with each individual's name on it. Also, make a list of employees by department. Then, be certain that someone is responsible for keeping in regular contact with every single person. Here are some things that you can do if you have time after work. Make home visits, help write a newsletter, bring someone to meet the organizer, participate in a phone bank, and meet with community leaders. All right, number 13, stick to your issues. One strange thing that sometimes occurs during an organizing campaign is that people tend to get into debates about lots of things that have nothing to do with the effort to form a union. So there's a reason for this. A primary employer tactic is to divert attention from the real issues in your workplace. For example, the real issue may be the pension or unfair promotion policy, but the managers may try to move the focus to another issue such as strikes so of course you guys know that managers are going to try to do anything that they can to try to distract you and try to pull you away and cause fear and doubt and fear monger you right so um you know they could be they could start spreading rumors about something else that's going on with another location that's trying to start a union and trying to fear monger you guys into not doing it because look what's happening with them so the best approach is to remind everyone that the only real issue is your own working conditions and whether you wanted to gain a voice, um, you know, on the job by unionizing. And, you know, be willing to admit that you don't know everything, but you don't need to. All you really need to understand are the issues and conditions at your own workplace and how a union can help. Your job as an organizing committee is to help employees understand the real issues of the campaign. So if people want change, they should vote yes. If they want the status quo, they should vote no. If people want an independent voice on the job, they should vote yes. If they do not want an independent voice on the job, they should vote no. If they feel they would have a better future sticking together with their coworkers, they should vote yes. If they feel they are better off going at it alone, then they should vote no. The choice is theirs. Okay, number 14, be a partner with your union organizer. Make the best use of the organizer assigned to your campaign by maintaining a system of mutual accountability. Okay, so that is that the organizer has his or her job to do and you, the committee member, you have your own job to do also. So you need to be able to count on each other to perform these duties in a dependable, responsible, and timely manner. If you take your responsibility seriously, the organizer can effectively undertake his or her responsibilities. The organizer's job is to provide advice, strategic support, and resources. You should expect the organizer to be on time for meetings, to keep the meeting short, to do what he or she says that they will do, and to help develop literature to provide sufficient staff report. Remember that the organizer has access to the workforce primarily through you. 
So sometimes members will underestimate the importance of getting around and talking to people. It's your job to provide the organizer with current information on everything that is going on in your workplace. So when an organizer gives you an assignment, such as talk to five people about something, you have to take this job very seriously. Do it right away and get back with the organizer. You need to be in the regular communication with the organizer. Since each campaign is different, the organizer will need to rely on you for advice and insight. While the organizer is the expert on the overall campaign strategy, you are the expert on your workplace. So many organizers use home visits as a means of communicating with employees. One way you as a committee person can learn from the organizer is to accompany him or her on home visits or one-on-one meetings. So by listening to the organizer's conversations with workers, you can gain experience in how to answer tough questions and you can get a sense of how good organizer always listens to people and treats their opinions and questions with respect. In addition to house calls, it can be useful to arrange one-on-one meetings at restaurants and other off-site locations. The advantages of home visits or one-on-one meetings are that they're more relaxed, you have more time, you can bring the organizer, and there's no employer present, which is the best one. All right, number 15, attend committee meetings. So committee meetings are an important opportunity to assess what is going on throughout the workplace and to agree on steps to keep the campaign strong and moving. Usually people receive assignments at meetings and report back on the results of these assignments. So a typical organizing committee might have an agenda like this. First, introduction of new committee members. Second, report back on what assignments from the previous week. Okay, third, report on what is happening in the workplace. Fourth, development of an action plan for the following week. Five, discuss how to talk effectively to coworkers. Role playing is a good technique for practicing one on one conversations. Six, volunteer for assignments. Help make home visits, talk to new employees at work, write an article for a newsletter, etc. Committee meetings should be limited to 30 to 45 minutes. If they drag on, some committee members may be reluctant to attend regularly. So the purpose of these meetings is to keep the campaign moving forward. It is very important for committee members to attend these meetings. However, it is what you do after the meeting that really counts. So here are some meetings, do's and don'ts. Do have an agenda, learn how to answer questions, take assignments, don't drag on too long and have long speeches. Nobody wants to sit through that. All right, number 16, be visible. Being visible as a committee member shows that you're proud of your beliefs and you're not afraid to be public about them. And that is how I'm here because I am very vocal about how I feel and I'm not afraid to voice my opinion and speak out about it. I think it's very, very important. Otherwise, change will not happen. While it's important to be visible, it can be a problem when committee members beg organizers to give them t-shirts or union buttons early on in the campaign. It just, it can be a, a mistake as a tactical matter to wear these too early on in the campaign. So such displays of union support can actually show weakness and create a division between you and others before a large enough group of people are prepared to make such a public commitment. Some organizers will wait until the final days of the campaign to bring 
bring out the buttons and t-shirts, which I think we've all seen when it comes to political campaigns. Um, you know, we see the, the buttons and the signs and everything coming out when it's very, very close to voting day, not so much throughout the entire campaign. And even if it is throughout the entire campaign, they still do wait a little bit, um, after the campaign has begun to really start advertising, right? Another way that committee members show their visibility during a campaign is through public events such as press conferences, rallies, or open forums. It is critical that the committee members be the spokespeople and leaders of these events rather than the organizer. Committee members should make use of every occasion to demonstrate in a concrete, visible manner that the employees are the union. That the union is people joining together to have a voice on the job and in the community. So here are some ways to be visible. Hand out leaflets, wear t-shirts and buttons at a proper time, speak to press, participate in delegations to management, meet with community leaders. And as we know, this book is kind of old, so we also want to really interact on social media and get the word out. As you guys know, uh, TikTok is very useful for that. This book was written in 2002. So yeah, we're definitely going to jump on the social media bandwagon when we want to get the word out. All right, number 17, smears, fears, and tears. So whether the opposition comes from the employer or from employees who do not support unionizing, anti-union messages follow very predictable patterns. By forecasting these themes ahead of time, you can diffuse the impact of these tactics. The messages usually fall into three categories, smears, fears, and tears. The smears are insulting statements about unions. Fears invoke worries or concern about your job. And tears are the only employer's tools for provoking pity and sympathy by confessing to faults and pleading for another chance. Please, you wish. These tactics actually were developed in the 1970s and 1980s by anti-union consultants who have studied psychological responses to various methods of pressure. The theory is that each employee may be susceptible to one or more of these approaches. In a typical anti-union campaign with a private employer, a, consult, a consultant, um, or an attorney hired at high cost by the employer will orchestrate a series of leaflets speeches, letters, videos, captive audience, meetings, and one-on-one -on -one conversations between supervisors and employees. Anti-union campaigns are planned and orchestrated in advance with scripts prepared by the employer for maximum psychological impact. So, okay, so here's some um, typical anti-union themes. Smears. Third party. The claim that a union is an outside third party is probably the most common tactic. This message distorts the very nature of what a union is. If people in your workplace understand only one thing about unions, it should be this. A union is the employee's it is your own organization. You, the employees, own, create, and shape your union as you wish it to be. One reason the organizing committee is so important is that you are the visible embodiment of the truth that the union is the employees themselves. All right, another one, strikes. Another distortion in this package of smear is that union equals strikes. 
This is pretty incredible considering how rare strikes are. I mean, we are seeing more and more strikes now with the Great Resignation. But the fact that they try to use this so much for so long, I mean, come on. So... Um, less than, apparently less than two percentage of the bargaining units do strikes. Um, unions today have other effective and sophisticated ways of exerting pressure over issues. It is also important to remember that only the employees themselves can vote to call a strike. All right, next one, dues. Every organization needs funds to operate. Nevertheless, employers frequently imply that unions are profit-seeking businesses interested only in dues. Committee members can refute this by explaining how much dues are when they would be deducted, generally after the first contract is signed, and what the money is used for. Dues money is used for many different services, such as officer training, organizing, safety, and health education, newsletters, collective bargaining, and grievance arbitration representation. Next, futility. Another message that is futile is to try sorry guys i'm trying to read this i'm like i hope i said futility futility another message that is um is that it is futile to try to improve conditions at work employers try to convince people that unions have no clout so people should give up to avoid a long fruitless effort okay you right all right, let's move on to fears. You would think that in a de democratic society, I don't think we've been in a democratic society for the very, very, very long time. Um, people would feel free to decide whether to join a union or not without fear coming into play. Yeah, that's because we don't live in a democratic society. Um, an atmosphere of fear can poison what should be free decision by employees. Sometimes employees fear a loss of benefits or some individual reprisal both which are unlawful. It is important for committee members to remind people that unionized companies exist and prosper just as non-union companies do. Unions often play a very positive role in the success of an agency or company. For employers to imply loss of benefits is particularly absurd. Yet this scare tactic appears in almost every campaign. Everyone, including the employer, knows that unions increase employees' opportunities for improvements in pay and benefits. If employers didn't know that, they wouldn't resist unionization. I mean, you guys have seen how so many of these companies have tried to get their employees to not unionize. As we know, Starbucks tried to get their employees not to unionize. I mean... Uh, there was another one. I don't remember which one it was. I mean, you guys have seen with, you know, these gig apps, how they've made them independent contractors so they can't unionize. They're so, so messed up. These companies are so messed up. They don't want you to come together and have power. <clears throat> All right, moving on to tears. One psychological tactic is for managers to shed a tear or two, apologizing and pleading for another chance to do better. Please. No. Uh, committee members can help people see through this tactic by predicting it. The truth is change will happen, but without a union, the employees will have no influence on what those changes will be and how long they will last. If someone is satisfied with their job, their pay and benefits, their working conditions, then it is understandable why he or she might be might be against the union. They want the status quo and that's their right. 
What is not right, however, is when workers oppose to the union because of misinformation, distortions, or fear of reprisal. That's just not the way things should happen in a free democratic society. Freedom and fear don't go together. Yet here we are in America living with both. Well, actually, we're not living with both. We're really just living with fear and we're not living with freedom. Let's be real. Does anybody really have any freedom in this country? So checklist of canned anti-union messages. The union is an outside third party. With a union, you can't speak for yourself. The union just wants your dues. They'll force you out on a strike. You may lose benefits you have now. Please give us a chance to fix problems without a union. Did you hear the rumor about... All right, moving on to number 18. As a committee member, you should carry a little notebook with you at all times. Okay, guys, like I said, this was made in 2002, so we don't need a notebook anymore. We all have our phones and open up the notes app. So write notes of what is said by the employers or outside consultants at a group and individual meetings. Make a note if someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to so that you can remember to go back to him or her. Use your notes to help you remember whom you need to touch base with in your work unit, whom you haven't spoken to in a while, and what rumors are circulating. Write down assignments that you've agreed to do. Never forget that no matter where you work, you have the fundamental right to free association, and that includes the right to join or form a union. If it appears that there may be legal violation, such as a supervisor making a threat, then your job as a committee person is to make note of it in case it is necessary to pursue legal action. So make sure you write down the exact language that was used, including direct quotes as much as possible, as well as the date, time, and location. Do this immediately. Don't wait until later when your memory has faded. As someone who doesn't have a the greatest memory this is something very important because lord knows i will forget stuff so a record keeping to-do list would be draw map of the workplace list employees by department copy anti-union postings from the bulletin board legal violations who what when were why and write down assignments Number 19, reach out to your community for support. You, the the committee member, um, you know your community. So you should make the effort to reach out to those in the community who are potential supporters. This is especially important if your employer retains an anti-union consultant or attorney and wages in a negative and intimidating campaign. Um, Employees should be able to make a decision about unions without an atmosphere of fear. Public officials and committee groups should speak out to ensure that your employers do not violate the spirit or letter of the law and does not pressure people to oppose the union effort. Number 20, always tell the truth. I pride myself on always telling the truth. It's the Taurus in me. As a committee member, your most valuable asset is your reputation for being honest, truthful employee. Maintain your credibility by always telling the truth. This, like I said, this is something that I really pride myself on. I try to, you know, the reason that a lot of people ask me to cover certain subjects, oh, can you do a TikTok about this restaurant? Can you do a TikTok about this company? And the reason I don't is because I don't know enough information to do Um, a video about that subject, I don't feel comfortable. The reason that I feel comfortable doing videos, you know, about 
chilies or DoorDash is because I've done my research and I've, you know, experienced it firsthand and I've got so many testimonials from people and I feel comfortable talking about it. I don't feel comfortable talking about things that I don't really know about because I don't want to give out misinformation. It's very, very important that, you know, you are telling the truth and if you mess up, you gotta, uh, you know, you gotta fess up to it. Um, you know, when, I don't know if who knows about this, but when I had the whole uh, Malik situation and, you know, Aunt Karen made a video about it, people were worried that, you know, I did something wrong. And then they realized that, no, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, he was in the wrong. And if you guys don't know about that, we can get into it um, in another podcast. I'll talk about it. Um, But, you know, the fact that I always do my research and I always, you know, make sure I'm telling the truth really, really came in handy when that was going on because people were like, no, there's no way like Alex wouldn't lie about this. Alex is very thorough with her research. So that was awesome that, you know, that I could be represented that way. I'm so sorry if you guys can hear my sister talking in the background. She literally hasn't talked the entire day. And now that I started filming my podcast, she decided to talk on the phone with someone. So I'm very, very sorry about that. I really don't have anywhere else that I can go and uh, get some more privacy and silence. So. So just remember to always check your facts. If you don't know an answer for sure, don't guess. Tell people you'll get back to them and then do it. I make sure I do that a lot too. You know, I don't want to guess stuff. I'll say I believe this is what it is, but um, I'll get back to you once I find out. As a committee member, you are not selling the union. You are not making promises. You're giving people good information to help them assess the issue of whether or not they want to join together to improve work conditions. All right, guys, we have reached the last bullet point to the last chapter in how to create a union number 21 create a union that expresses your values as with many things in life in organizing a union the journey is as important as as the destination as a union organizing committee member you are an agent of change how you conduct yourself will display the kind of organization you're seeking to create unions at their best are an expression of the highest ideals of service and community they bring people of all different social ethnic and racial groupings together in support of each other's dreams and aspirations be sure to define yourself don't let others define who you are your union belongs to you and the people you work with whether you are a healthcare worker a building tradesperson an engineer a hotel worker or a factory worker your union should reflect your unique values and concerns your dreams may be better maybe a better standard of living for your family so your children can go to college oh my god you can tell this was written in 2002 we don't care about college anymore we don't care about college anymore okay your dreams may be better to serve your students patients or clients you may be seeking more opportunities and advance your skills um, and to improve the product you make your concern may be to obtain fairness and more of a voice your union is a creative vehicle for achieving these goals organizing a union can provide a path towards greater community towards greater compassion towards dignity and greater sense of purpose a union is a way to reach higher oh my god amazing i can't believe it you guys don't have to spend the 30 dollars on the book for the reaching higher handbook uh, for how to organize a union because i just read it all for you. I really, really hope this comes in handy, you guys. I am so sorry 
if this uh, podcast was kind of boring. Um, you know, I'm still getting a hang of it. I'm still getting a hang of how to do a podcast, but I figured this would be a great one to start with because I'm so big on organizing a union, a unionizing in the workplace for people who, um, you know, are being mistreated. And especially with the fact that the boomers took away unions because they wanted to take this power away from us. I think it is so, so important that we unionize. We we take our power back we really need to take the power back from the boomers i mean the boomers you know they call them the me generation and they weren't kidding they really really screwed things over for us and it sucks i mean we deserve so much better but that's why we have to make a change now and that's why i'm telling you guys to unionize in the workplace i really hope that this podcast helps you guys for those of you who are looking to unionize you know i really 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 want uh chili's employees to unionize because the way that brinker is treating the chili's employees is not okay and you know i'll go ahead and do another video i mean another video i'm so used to saying video i'll do another podcast um talking about brinker and chili's and you know everything that's gone on there if you guys haven't checked out my exposed the pepper series um, i'm sure you have otherwise you wouldn't be here but if you haven't checked it out make sure you go on my tiktok and check out my um alexer's tea and check out the expose the pepper series um there are so many videos and i won't be able to cover everything in you know my podcast but unless i unless i really want to break it up into a million parts but you know the way that that company treats its employees is disgusting it is so disgusting and they're they just they do not value them they treat them like trash as if they're so replaceable and disposable as most restaurant uh you know most restaurant companies do but the amount of stories that i have gotten and received from chile's employees about the sexual harassment and just how horrible working off the clock and how they treat them is not okay so I really, really do hope, especially now with the runner system changing and uh, employees making less money because of it, which I'll get into in another podcast, what Chili's is doing. I really hope that the employees will unionize. It's something that really needs to be done. But, you know, this is my first podcast. I'm so sorry if the audio wasn't good. Right now I'm using headphones with a microphone. But I do have an actual microphone for a podcast. It's just that right now I'm filming on my phone because I don't have a laptop. I don't ever use my lap a laptop for anything. I do everything on my phone. So um, I have to find a USB connector to connect to my phone to be able to connect the mic, which I know I have. I just have no idea where it is. I'm going to try to find that or at least my sister has one and then I can connect the microphone and hopefully that'll be better. Um, besides that... Yeah, I'm just using my phone to record this and I'm using the Anchor app. So um, I know it's really easy to film an app and it's really easy to distribute apparently. So we're going to test this out. We're going to see how it goes. Please let me know if you guys have any suggestions or anything. Um, and like I said, once I get the hang of this more, I will definitely try to get some guests on here. I would love to talk to some people. I know there's a lot of people that are interested in coming on the podcast. Um, but this was, I think this was a good first run, you know. Um, don't worry from here on out. I'm not going to be just reading straight out of a book. I will be talking a lot about my opinions and, you know, a lot of different stories and stuff. You guys know I can talk forever. 
but right now this was just my way of like getting my you know my feet wet and you know getting in the water a little bit so please i would love your feedback let me know what you guys think um you know hit me up on instagram it's alex serves my tiktok alex serves tea um and my twitter alex serves as well alex i think it's alex underscore serves um let me know what you guys think and thank you so much if you made it this far you are a real one and i love you thank you thank you thank you for tuning in and i will see you guys on the next one